there, everyone, and thanks again for joining us this week on Everybody's Got Something. Our guest today is a throwback, but whose story is one we can all relate to today. He's an NBA powerhouse who had a fall from grace once he stepped off the court. We're going to hear more about Kenny Anderson's story. You may remember that name. He was at one time one of the most sought-after basketball players in the country. He played alongside greats like MJ, Michael Jordan, Shaq, Derek Coleman. And when he retired in 2005 and his mom passed away, Kenny had a really tough time. But now he is back with a new documentary about his journey. It's called Mr. Chibs. I know what? Mr. Chibs? I'll let him explain the title and how he has managed to get himself back on his own two feet. You can feel it in your heart. Feel it in your soul. Everybody's got a little something. Something that makes them feel gold. Kenny Anderson. I'm looking across the way. <laughs> we go back yeah, a long, long yeah. way. For those of us who are listening, yeah. he was the man. The man. He was in Atlanta. No, I was in Atlanta. Oh, the ATL. Yeah. Yeah. He was a big old star yeah. at Georgia Tech, playing a little hoops. But really, Kenny Anderson, New York City yeah. prodigy. He came out of here. At one time, he was considered the best high school point guard in the country. Goes on to Georgia Tech, goes on and has a career in the NBA, number two pick. Thank you for being here, Kenny. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I'm glad to see you, and my prayers was with you, with your story and um, your inspiration. So it's, it's awesome. Everybody's thank got something. You. Yeah, everybody, you're right. That's everybody, what it's everybody, all about. You're that, right. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you, hon, for sharing your something, yeah. Kenny. That's really important. Mr. Chibs, yeah. that is a documentary that is out. It's your life story. First of all, tell people about the name. Chibs. Mr. Chibs. Yeah, it was very dear to me. <laughs> my mother named me that. Chibs? My mother named me Chibs. My nickname doesn't uh-huh. have doesn't mean anything, but when I was five days old and they bring the baby mm-hmm. in to see you know, show her show me to her. Right. She was eating, she said cheeks and it came out Chibs. She kept <laughs> Chibs. This is the story she told me. She kept Chibs, took me home and my brothers and my sisters, everybody called me Chibs. And then when I would do something, act arrogant or conceited, she'd say, look at Mr. Chibs. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it stuck with me. Everybody in New York, Left Rack City, Queens, everybody called me Chibs. And it grew on me, and I, I really started liking it. And um, when it was time for registration for kindergarten, that's when I found out my name was Kenneth. Oh, you didn't know? I didn't know it was Kenneth. <laughs> Until kindergarten? Yeah, to kindergarten. Wow. So I was just Chibs. That's what they yeah. always called yeah. you. That's what was very dear to me. Yeah, I know your mother was very, yeah. may she rest in peace, very dear to you. Tell tell people the influence your mom had in your life. Well, that was my motivation. I, it's simple. I think we all athletes in a mm-hmm. city that's come up and done some great things have uh, their mothers. really, you know, big to them. That was my motivation because mm-hmm. I saw her struggle so much in life and you know, I had some real trying times, some real, some real uh, bad times, and uh, just was tired of seeing her uh, struggle, crying, and not knowing where we was gonna live, not knowing how she was gonna feed me, asking family members, asking this person to help us out, and um, I just wanted to make it, and all I had was basketball, so it was 
but I I had to do both though. I had to go to get my school work. Right. That's when my mentor came in and went to a very prestigious high school, Archbishop Malloy. Oh yeah. Who, it means the world to me. Um I worked for everything in there as far as academically. They they didn't give me anything. They didn't treat me differently, even though I was a star basketball player in the country, got a lot of attention to the school. Sure. But those people, you know, those faculty and everything meant the world to me. So it was my mother was everything to me. And I know she passed the same 2005, was yes. it? Yes. And that was the same year you retired yeah, from the NBA. Yeah. And well, um, hit you hard, Kenny. Yeah, I wouldn't want that. It was the worst year of my life, 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, we retired, and then your mother passed, and then all these tax problems and every the bills, everything start coming down on you, and I don't play no more. I'm like, what am I going to do? It, I was just in a haze. I was in a daze. I was, um, it was a bad time in my life, and um, I had to, you know, regroup, reinvent myself because I I, I had my kids, you know. I have yeah. eight kids, and I wanted to try to get better for them, I, I, just for them and get better for myself, just looking in the mirror and say, I, I got to stop what I'm doing and going down this path. I got to stop. I got to. And I got to be better. What were you doing? What path were you going down? Talk just, about those, just, those um, challenges. Just, that you, know, just lifestyles, you know, not yeah. want to hang it up. You know, when you when you play for so many years in the league, just hanging out. Not so much. I, I think people in the documentary, I talk about the DUI, but that was one of the first offense that, that happened to me. But I wasn't a drinker like that. I drink sociably and party. I think the lifestyle, it? everything. It wasn't like I'm an alcoholic. It but just, well, how did you get that rap? Because when people, yeah, when you say Kenny yeah. Anderson, people, oh, you know, he was a drinker. Yeah, that, what, I, I oh, where'd that rap I, come from? Because I drank and went to parties yeah. and hung out. You know, right. I, I, I never had no issues with alcohol, getting up in the morning, going to work, working out. So it, it, it was just mm. a perception Right and perceptions is hard to to break sometimes, and you just gotta live with it. I know in my heart what I'm about and where my heart is, so I just couldn't. You know, I just hey, okay, that's what it is. And everybody do it in the yeah. league, go out party. They might be, and, and, and I'm gonna be honest and a hundred. Some of those are smoking weed. I don't, you know what I'm saying. But right. if I drink wine and drink beer and hang out and have a good time socializing, it's so Kenny Anderson is, but. You know, everybody has their demons. Everybody, sure. you know, hiding. And, and that's one of the reasons I did my documentary, too. And you own up to those demons. That's the thing in this documentary, yeah. Kenny. You own up to, you're not, you're not you know, you, you had, like everybody else, your challenges. And, you know, from the outside, people look and go, man, you had it all. Yeah. You were a top draft pick, yeah. number two. You're making millions. You made yeah. like $63 million. Yeah. Uh, what, what problems could you have? Yeah. Why did this happen to you? That's why I humanized myself in the documentary, opening up, saying I had all of that. Right. I'm still human. You know, mm-hmm. I have problems just like you. Mm-hmm. And there's a mm-hmm. bunch of guys that's running around with demons that's um, ashamed of themselves. They don't want to come out to help somebody else because everybody got something. Mm-hmm. And everybody, you can help someone. And that's why I kept going back and forth with, like, should I do this or should I still hide and you know from my demons but if i if i come out it's going to be like therapy for me and which it is therapy and it put good pressure on me because now i came out you know i came out my documentary and this is what i plan on doing this is my life you know i, I got to practice what i preach i can't just be talking now it's, it keeps you accountable because yes. you don't want to go out as you are in this documentary saying and and again and i w- i hope people do uh, yeah. mr chibs is the name of it and they yeah. should take the time it's about an hour and a half it's it's totally worth everyone's time yeah. and you. and you'll see that um th- there's a little kenny anderson in all of us 
You know, you didn't have to be a baller from New York. There's, there's, there, there are life lessons in this. And for you to go back, one moment that really got me was when you went back to your high school. Yeah. And you're on the court. And you're like, this is my court. This is my court. <laughs> the kids are sitting there, yeah. and you're talking to them, and you start crying. Yeah. You just what, why everything came back to me, like my my Malloy, like it starts there. You know, that's where I really was that child prodigy. You know, at um, 15 years old, you know, uh, played four years on the varsity with Jack Curran, rest in peace. He's mm-hmm. a great mentor. Um, that's where I got all my attention, basically. You know what I mean? And uh, the, pe- the people just accepted me and welcomed me. But it was just, that was my sanctuary. That school, I lived in that school from 7.30 in the morning to 9 at night. You know what I mean? Um, and um, without going there, I would have had the talent to play basketball anywhere. But I don't know if I would have had the structure in my life to, 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 to get a scholarship to Georgia Tech. Right. I had the grades. I, w- I was all set. And I think it was due to going to Malloy and being under Jack Curran and my mentor, Vincent Smith, you know, Kenny Smith, who's mm-hmm. a big, um, right. you know, that's his, his brother. And um, the, the Smiths has been great to me. It's like my second family. And um, they know, they know Chibs. They know Chibs. <laughs> the Smiths, they know Mr. Chibs. So what went wrong and what can you teach people mm-hmm. and what can we learn what can others learn from those mistakes that you made? Oh, what went wrong? It just it just derailed. You know what I mean? Like you just money, fame. Um, uh, I talk about getting molested, and uh, that those things lead up to how you act. And now that I'm getting therapy, that, that and that's what my therapist said. No, this is you held this for thirty years. That's why you did some of the things you did, mm. and I didn't know back then. I'm like, come on now. She said, No, you're wired like that. This is the problem, you know, and now I mm-hmm. t- took advantage of it, you know, being Kenny Anderson, being in the light. And, um, you know, I paid for it. You know, I think everybody's like, oh, where's the, where, where your money? Where your? No, I, I still have money, but I spent most of my money. My mother helped me spend my money, eight kids, child support, two failed marriages. And some of the children you hadn't seen, and so now yeah. you're. Yeah, trying to get back in their lives. And I've, I've been in and out of their lives. Right. You know, I live with my two, my um. My son and my daughter now mm-hmm. in Florida, who's uh, who's great. They got the best of Kenny. They got the best of Mr. Chips because I'm yeah. there. I grew up. They grew up with me. I right. retired in 2005. So my other kids are some somewhat emotional, jealous or whatever. So I'm dealing with them now, which is tough. So I'm still going through it every day. But you mentioned something, and I don't want to let it pass, mm-hmm. when you said you were molested. Yeah. And I did something with Isaiah Thomas's son, Zeke Thomas, okay. who talked about how he was molested wow. as a child and that as an adult, it happened to him most recently. And so he's wow. um, talking about how we don't talk about the number of men and boys. We Thankfully, we do talk about women and the, the vast majority of women, the numbers are not akin because there are more women who get molested than men. But but there are men. How did that affect you, and why can you now talk about it when it seemed like a taboo, like men can't yeah. be raped, men can't yeah. be... Yeah, they it can. Was, um, it was taboo. Like you said, I, I kept it, like, I put a wall up, you know, and it happened to me twice. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, it was weird. And that's the this the thing that's got me... This the only thing in the documentary that, that still eerie with me. I, I, I can't... I'm trying to express it and talk about it, but it bothers me. Yeah, I could tell. It, it bothers me, but I... I what I, is it? I mean, to, to still be able to... 
um, mm. articulate, to be able to express. Because I know, like Zeke said, mm. at, at, he thought that his manhood had been taken from him. That Bottom line. Yeah, that people, Bottom line. yeah, like, like, hey, you're, you're See, dude, that's, how. That's where the womanizing with me come in at. That's ah. why I live like that. You know, oh, I'm high. Uh, put the chest out. Yeah. I'm, I'm a man. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I got, I got molested, you. but, you know, I don't know if I'm, you know, Homo, like gay. I don't know the music. I don't right, want to. Right. I know. I, I, know. I, I don't know if people looking at me like he's been molested. Is he gay, gay or is he straight? Or, you know, yeah. it's it's interesting. So it gets it's, it makes me uncomfortable. But on top of all of that, I needed to do it because I've been seeing. I was seeing stuff on the news, seeing, re- hearing, reading things like kids are getting molested every day. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. So I'm just like, I have a voice. I have a platform that I used to be on. I'm, I'm, I'm still relevant. I have to say something to maybe help somebody else. So it all goes back on paying it forward. And I sat. Should I do this? I don't know. But it can't be. I can't be selfish. And, and I said, this is going to help me help somebody else. And then it's going to help me on top of it because it's like therapy. Yeah. And I'm glad that you met that. And you talk about, because also in the black community, uh, I was talking uh, recently to Gabourey Sidibe, who's going through therapy, and she said, you know, in the black community, we're, we're supposed to work it out. We're not supposed to go, no, that's not what we do. And it's like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's uh, ashamed. Mm-hmm, and that's the number mm-hmm. one thing, ashamed yeah, right, and right, right. It's not your fault. That's the first thing they teach. It's not your fault. You know, you, you're the victim. You know what I mean? And it right. could be a cycle. Now, you know, you got to get therapy. I got kids. I live with my kids. I got daughters. Got you know sons. It, it could be a cycle. Some some mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. some you get people that get molested, molested. Abuse, they abuse their kids. Right. So I'm really tight with that. I'm like yo, it, wanna... it messes with my head. Yeah, I can understand. You know, with that. my daughters, and this is serious. And I told you, I got five daughters. I don't be in the bathroom with them. I don't st- I don't I don't move around with them. I don't be in their rooms. I, I, it's mm-hmm. just a. It's, it's weird. And my oh. wife even dealing with me on that. It's yeah. like. I'll wait, you know, wait till mommy come home to, you know, deal with you with that. If they question, you know, themselves, like something's going on, affections or whatever, just every, I was like, oh, mommy come home, she'll deal with you. I don't, I don't go in my kids' rooms. It it affects me. I would imagine so. I would imagine so. I'm so thankful Kenny had the courage to share that part of his journey with us. After a short break, We go back to the moment Kenny heard his name called at the NBA draft and what it was like for him. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's go back to 1991, NBA draft. Yeah, number two. Yeah, who was number one that year? Who was Larry, number? Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson, yeah, yeah. LJ. Okay, you're number two. The number. Mm-hmm. What was it like to hear your name being called as the second draft pick in oh, the entire draft? It was draft? a dream come true. It was amazing. You know, and I was like, wow. You know, and going to the Nets. So at that time, yeah, I'm like, coming I'm, home. I'm coming home. Uh, it could be a gift and a curse. You know, yeah. everybody got their own, you know, opinion. I just think it was great, me being at home, 
uh, my friends, my family, my high school, my mother. You know, it was a great thing. I thank Willis Reed. Mm-hmm. He, he drafted me. Mm-hmm. The great Willis Reed and um, uh, playing with Derek Coleman, Drazen Petrovic. Wow, we, we we had some great, we had some a, a, a good team, but we was in that Michael Jordan era. Boom, <laughs> <laughs> beat them. We were coming close. We could beat them though. The Knicks was very good then. Cleveland with Mark Price and Brad oh, yeah. Doherty, yeah, Shaq and Penny in Orlando. That was the nineties. You know, mm-hmm. it was tough. But uh, to be able to to come home and yeah. to be a top pick came with a lot of. Uh, a lot of expectations. Yeah, huge. I, I've had it my whole life here in New mm-hmm. York, but you know, you know, the NBA is different. Like college, high schools, NBA is like everything didn't line up for me. Sometimes it lines up for everybody. You know, players leave, coaches. I don't think the Nets was stable at the time. We had mm-hmm. like seven owners. We practice yeah. at the uh, APA trucking. Uh, facility we we shared the lockers with the truckers over there huh. truth it's just just wasn't really that, that mm-hmm. atmosphere there but we had the talent but coaches came and go players came and go just wasn't no stability mm. you know and then drives and Petrovic died in a car crash I remember that and then it all it kind of just fell a piece it fell apart yeah and but still you go on you yeah. have you 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 have um uh, you become an all-star yeah. um have a very long career yeah and how do you look at the game now? Because it's it's given you so much, yeah. but yet it's caused you so much pain. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, you know, I'm I'm it's just I'm lucky and I'm blessed. It just basketball has opened so many doors for me. It made, it, 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 I, t- I was able to take care of my mother for 20 straight years. She had a carefree right. life. Um, could never disrespect the game of basketball. Um, all my friends and fa- uh, people that I came across in my life that's been special to me. Has been through basketball and um, it, it's been it was a it was a journey it was a it was a blessing played fourteen years in the NBA. How many people know. can say that? Yeah, and skinny little snotty nosed kid from Left Rack City. <laughs> who and then I'm you know I'm doing a documentary on my life and this is big because I've, it's been in film festivals. Mm-hmm. Guys are coming up to me saying you know I'm an inspiration in them you know. Thank you for doing the doc, and thank you for this. And I'm looking and why like, did, well, how could it, I, me from little Kenny from Left Rack City, sign those one day, say I'm, in, I'm inspirational to people. It's very emotional, and it's, it's touching. Why do you think I'm that like, you are? Wow. Yeah, when people come up and they say, you know, thank you. Yeah. What do you think it is about seeing your story that it's, lifts them? Because everybody, the, my story is easy because it's people dealing with that every day. It's just that my Plateau, plateau I was on. Mm-hmm. You know, people, I, I, I'm human. You know, I think now the, with the billion dollars, the NBA is, is a business doing great. The the, the guys is not touchable. They're not, mm. they, they're not touchable. They seem like everything is glorified. Everything is nice because I got a big contract and I'm playing NBA. No, it's not. That's the worst time of my life when I had all the money and everything. That was the worst time of my life. Come on now. That was the worst time of my life. How do you, what do you mean? You growing up the way you did, yeah. and for you to say that when you had those millions, yeah. that was the worst time of your yeah, life. Yeah, it was. That's I just wasn't happy. I didn't know any. I didn't know the, the, the who was loving me for me. Didn't know if yeah. I was coming or going. Sometimes it just was. I was real like a, my mother even saw it at the end of my career. She said, "You're not happy, no. You don't smile. You ain't running down the court smiling. That, that ain't you." And I, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to retire. I lost a passion right. for playing in the NBA at 35. Just, just didn't love it no more. 
How do you how do you tell people to keep the passion in whatever it is that they're doing? Not not everybody's going to play yeah, pro ball. That's yeah, not the point. With anything, but with anything to to keep that passion. I just think you you know the circumstances sometimes get the best of people when anything they're doing, and that's how you lose your your your, your passion. Me, I just let I let the the trades. Uh, you know, every time I played good basketball, they traded me to this city. That's it. Uh, the coaches. You, you're playing in this system. You're doing this. I just let it affect it affect me mentally. Mm. You know what I mean? And you know, and that's I think it affects everybody in any different situation. Sure. And it affected me where this ain't like I used to know it. Basketball ain't the same for me no more. It don't feel mm. right. I don't like getting up, going to practice. I don't like. I don't. My psyche wasn't right. And I just didn't want to live that life no more. But you were a heck of a coach yeah. for a moment there. Yeah, you know yeah. that you were at a at a a Jewish day school. Exactly, it was a big deal for you to come coach. Yeah. And I remember them saying in the documentary how the first game that there were more people at that game than there yeah. ever had been. The opposing team they were busy staring at you, and you have um, real regrets in that. That's when yeah. you had the DUI. Yeah. And you lost your job. Yeah, it was a blessing in disguise for me. But then it was like, wow, I let those kids down. It was hurt. Mm. Because basketball was cool. Those kids was well off, middle class, rich. Right. It was more of my interaction and every day uh, around the school. It reminded me of Malloy. You know, that mm. school, that mm-hmm. feel, family atmosphere. The, the kids really, like, looked up to me. And that was bothered me. Like, they looked up to me. They, You know, you, I, I'm big at practicing, you know, what you preach. You can't be a hypocrite, and I felt like I was exposed. Like you know, you you, you know, you took coaching these kids, and you're drinking and driving. It's not right. I could have killed myself. I could have killed somebody else. It's just not right. And I didn't want those kids to grow up. They right there too, teenagers, mm-hmm. sixteen, seventeen. They can go out and start drinking and jumping in their cars and all that. And it's just everybody has something. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But some of us haven't got caught yet. Doing what we doing? You know, I've got caught, and it was a. Sometimes it's good to get caught. It's a blessing in disguise, and it, it, you you keep doing something, you get in the you, you get bad habits. So it took that getting that DUI, getting yeah. caught, to kind of say this is enough. Yeah, I'm gonna straight up. Where are you? Are, are you sober? Yeah, I'm sober. You know, I'm, I'm 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 not I'm not one to lie and all that. I'm I'm drink sociably. I'm not like that. I'm not an alcoholic by no means. No means. You know what I mean? I don't need alcohol. You know, mm-hmm. every morning I get up, uh, I go to the pint of Hennessy or something. You don't need that. I don't drink every day. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just not like that. But it's a per- it's a perception. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I had a DUI. There's a lot of people that have DUIs. It's just, that's buzz drinking. You And that's bad. When you uh, take these DUI classes, they made me take, you understand a lot more. Buzz drinking is drunk. drunk. Exactly. Yeah, I've that, that seen those PSAs got, yeah. and it's true. If you it's drink true. two beers, yeah. like, no, I ain't drink nothing. No, no you, you've been drinking. So they don't know the 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 outcome of everything, but as soon as you you know, I'm Kenny Anderson, so my name holds a lot of weight. So of course they're gonna look at it differently. What do you want people seeing this documentary? What do you want them to walk away thinking, believing, and feeling? Um, just I'm human, you know. Just to be like, man, he told his story. Get to know me. I'm just trying to pay it forward to help the youth and then to help some of these adults and to help some of these people that look at some of these NBA players. And they put us on a pedestal, but man, listen, I'm human and I'm going to mess up and make mistakes, but I'm trying to correct them. And I'm the one to look in the mirror. I think everybody should just look in the mirror, man. And at some point in your life, you know, 
you have to be real with yourself, your inner self. You have to. Because if you keep faking, 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 you you ain't going to know who you are. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just, a, 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 I'm just trying to get better. And I'm not with the other uh, opinions about me, about you know, this, that. I'm, I worry about my family, my kids, and, and myself so I can live a productive life and move on and be happy. That's it. You're still a young guy. Exactly. <laughs> I got, got so much to offer. I'm good. I'm only 46. I'm a baby. Where do you see yourself in the future, Kenny? Well, I would love to become a, a, a life coach. You know, mm-hmm. um, I thought about basketball. I'm, I, I coach the youth. You know, I got a gym in Tampa. Mm-hmm. I do my camps and clinic called The Clinic. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still a work in progress. But I do know I love the game of basketball. And I love people. And I love helping. I love helping others. I, and love to see somebody, you know, somebody save me. I think it's my obligation, my duty to save somebody else, to, to help, just to pay it forward. And we'll see where it goes. But I know one thing, I, I want to be passionate every day. If possible, going to work, I want to be happy. You know, I'm, I'm at a point now where I don't have to, you know, I'm decent, middle class, I, I take care of my family. I don't right. have to take a check just because I need the check. So, you know, hopefully I can continue to, do do good by the youth and um, see where it goes. Yeah, one day at a time. Exactly. Work in progress. All of us. All right, Mr. Chibs, we have something here on this podcast. Okay. Don't blink, don't think. It's a fishbowl right here. You just reach in and you answer the question. Don't don't, don't give it a lot of thought. Just what oh, comes to what? Come on. Comes? Oh, this is, uh, this is, okay. If you could play one-on-one with anybody live or past, who would it be? Ooh. Um, it, it, it don't have to be a basketball player. Oh, come Clint Eastwood. <laughs> what? Clint? My mother, my mother was a big Clint Eastwood fan, and we watched ah. a lot of Clint Eastwood movies. She got, she got me into Clint Eastwood movies. I know I got all the Dirty Harrys, <laughs> Magnum. I got all the Clint Eastwood movies. I'm a big fan of Clint Eastwood. I would like to just go shoot with him, play horse with him, hang out with him because my mother put me on oh, that. She loved see, Clint Eastwood. See, it goes back to your mom. Okay, here's another one. Uh, reach into the fishbowl. What you got? What you got? What you got? What's your favorite sports moment of all time? Ooh. Wow. Wow. My favorite sports, uh, I have to say, uh, when they called my name, 1991, the New Jersey Nets picks Kenny Anderson. <laughs> and, then, and the draft was in New York. So I have to, that's one of my, you know, getting drafted to the Nets in 91, number two pick in the uh, NBA. That's a, that's a, that's a sweet yeah. one. Last one. Here we go. All right. Oh, what, oh, my go-to song to get pumped up. <laughs> Come on. Hey, listen. Come on. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna go ooh, back. Ooh, I didn't. Ooh, I, I listened to a lot of music while I was in the league. But college, me yeah. and my roommate Malcolm Mackey, Dennis Scott. I brought Dennis Scott. I'm gonna knock you out by L. Cool J. That was my <laughs> song. <laughs> That I was, was going to knock you mama out. Mama said knock you out. That was my L. Cool J. Yeah, I was in Georgia Tech. Awesome. Uh, good times. It's great to see you, Kenny. Thank you, Robin. You know what? I have been a longtime admirer of yours. Yeah. Um, I've followed your story and your 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 challenges. Yeah. And the documentary is real. Yeah. It's raw. It's going to help a lot of people. And your mama's cheering you on from her heavenly balcony. Yeah, saying, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chips. Thank you, Mr. No. Chips. She ain't call me Kenny. It's always <laughs> Mr. Chips. <laughs> they call you Mr. Chips. Chips. Good to see you, Kenny. Thank you. Make sure to check out Kenny's documentary, Mr. Chips. Next week, we have a special guest. 
Now, usually on this podcast, we talk to people whose names you may already know. Maybe you're familiar with their stories. But next week, you're going to meet someone who you should know, but don't. Felicia Johnson. She is an incredible breast cancer thriver whose family has been deeply, I mean deeply, affected by cancer. We're talking three generations, in fact. It is an important conversation that I know you will take a lot away from. But until next week, we'd love to hear from you. Our devoted listeners, love you guys. Just leave us a review and let us know what you like. And don't be shy. Tell us how we could be better. We're here for you. And while you're there, let us know what your something is. Everybody's got something. We want to know what yours is. And we might want to talk to you for one of our episodes. But it is time to sign off for this week. And before we go, got to thank my wonderful podcast posse. We're talking John and Alex, Josh, Rennie, Danielle, and Jade. And of course, I can't forget my entire team at Rockin' Robin Productions, GMA, and ABC Radio that contribute to this podcast. Thanks to them all. Hot mess, still blessed.